this Bible study. I ask that you would allow my mind to just be clear and that I could focus on the task at hand, which is preaching your word, Father. And Lord, I, I do ask that you would help me to do what I can't do on my own, and that is to help these people, to challenge them, Lord. And I just need your Holy Spirit to come upon me and help me for the next few moments. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in, in Exodus chapter number 16, and we come to a very uh, famous story, very uh, well-known uh, story in the Bible. And if you just look at verse number 1, the Bible says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month. I want you to notice this. After they're departing out of the land of Egypt. So, they departed, they left the land of Egypt, and when they left the land of Egypt, they're into their new life, two months and fifteen days. Not very long. Look what it says in verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel, I want you to notice this word, murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now that word murmur there, that means to complain. The children of Israel... Two months and 15 days into they being taken out of bondage, the Bible tells us that they were murmuring and they were complaining. And I want you to make note of this. It says, look at the last part of verse 2, against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now something you're going to find and something you're going to get tired of after a while because it's just going to be so repetitive over and over and over again. The thing that the children of Israel do over and over and over again all throughout the, the, the wilderness years there is murmur is complain. They've already done it a few times, and it's only been two months and 15 days. Uh, we notice it there in Exodus 16, but look at, go with me real quickly, go to Exodus 14. This is stuff we already looked at. <clears throat> but look at Exodus 14, look at verse number 10. Exodus 14 and verse number 10, the Bible says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Remember, this is when they were at the Red Sea, and Pharaoh was coming to destroy them. And the Bible says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Look, look at their attitude. They said, Because there was no graves in Egypt, hast thou uh, taken us away to die in the wilderness? So they're attacking Moses. They're saying, Moses, are you with Pharaoh? Are you working with Pharaoh? What, there, there wasn't enough graves? There wasn't enough land to bury all of us? So you just bring us out to the wilderness to kill us? Look at this. Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Look at uh, Exodus 15. Look at verse number 23. We find them complaining against, murmuring against Moses there. Exodus, Exodus 15. Look at verse number 23. Exodus 15, 23. Do you remember when they came to Mara? And they could not find water to drink. In verse 23 it says, And when they came to Merah, they could not drink of the water of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Merah. And the people, Lewis says, murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So they're just, and notice, I want you to understand, they're always directing, they're complaining, they're murmuring towards Moses, towards their leader. They're saying, Moses, why did you bring us out here? They're saying, Moses, give us something to drink. They're saying, Moses, uh, we need something to eat. We need, you know, we're, we're hungry and, and you're bringing us out here to kill us. And here's what I want you to understand. The reason that God highlights for us in the, uh, the, the story of the children of Israel and in the Old Testament in general, that these people continue just chapter after chapter, it seems like, just complain and murmur and complain and murmur, is because of this one reason. People like to complain. You and I like to complain. God's people 
have a tendency in the Old Testament. We look at them in the wilderness and say, well, they, they complain a lot. But let, let me tell you something. Today, people complain a lot. And the Bible tells us it is a sin to complain. You say, well, why is it a sin to complain? Because here's what you've got to understand. Look, look at Exodus 16. Look at verse 1 again. And they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They say, Moses, you brought us to the wilderness, and we're hungry, and we're complaining about it, and you brought us here to kill us. Now here's the question. Did Moses bring him to the wilderness? No, he did not. Was it Moses' idea to go back to Egypt and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Out of Egypt? No, it was not. Whose idea was it? It was God's. Who's the person that brought them through the Red Sea? Remember when we saw that? It was God that redirected them. It was God that brought them down. Let me tell you something. Every time you open your mouth to complain about anything, you say, well, I'm complaining about Moses. Or I'm complaining about my husband. Or I'm complaining about my wife. Or I'm complaining about my kids. Or I'm complaining about my job. Or I'm complaining about my situation. You're actually complaining about one person. It's God, Almighty God. Because guess what? God gave you that husband. God gave you that wife. God gave you those kids. God gave that job for whatever it's worth. God gave you whatever situation you're in, it all was filtered through God. Amen. And you say, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. Let me tell you, that's God, God's the one who did that for you. Look at verse 4. And then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will bring bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass, on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, And even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, and uh, for that he heareth your murmurings. Notice what it says. For that he heareth your murmurings. Let me tell you something. Every time you open your mouth to complain, God hears it. For that He heareth your murmurings, notice what it says, against Moses. Is that what it says? Now what did they say? Look back at verse uh, 2. And the whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses. That's what they said. But what does God say? Look, look at uh, uh, verse 7 again. And, and, uh, and, the morn- and in the morning, when you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that He heareth your murmurings against the Lord. God, when, when you complain, God takes it as a complaint against Him. And notice what Moses says. I love it. He says, And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against Him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Let me tell you something. Every time somebody says to me, Pastor, you preach this, and it's so restricting on my life. Or you preach this, and I didn't really like it, and it hurt my feelings. And you preach this, and you told me to do this, and you, told, and you rebuke me this. And people say, and, and they complain about the pastor. And I, I think to myself, I'm not the one who wrote the Bible. I'm not the one who said, you know, uh, you've got to do this or you've got to do that. But here's the thing, you, as human beings, here's what you understand. When you're dealing with immature people, it may be a child, it may be a husband, it may be whatever. And spe- specifically when you're dealing with immature Christians, 
No one's going to open their mouth and, and complain and curse God for a situation. So here's what they always do. When someone has a beef with God, they usually look at the godliest person in their life and pick a fight with them. Because see, in their life, you represent God. I didn't say you were God, but you represent God. So when, when they saw Moses and they said, God, we don't like it that you brought us out here and we're hungry and we're thirsty and we don't have it. They're not going to open their mouths and say, but they look at Moses and say, well, that guy represents God in my life. And they murmur against Moses. Well, we never murmur against God, but what does God say? God says, you're murmuring against the Lord. So see, when, when, when the church people complain about the pastor, I just take it as a compliment. Say, well, they, they, they must be uh, looking for the godless person to complain about. <laughs> Thank God they're not uh, come, uh, murmuring against Brother Ron instead of the pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, thank God. You, know, you see what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? The sad part is, is when we don't portray a good picture of God in their life. And we portray a very inconsistent or very sinful or very uh, selfish image of God. And they murmured against the Lord. But I like, I like this. Look at the... He, he said it twice, but in verse 8 he says, What are we? He says, why are you murmuring against me? He said, I, I'm just a man. And in fact, as you study Moses, in, in later chapters, he pretty much says the equivalent of, of this. I don't even like you people. I don't want to be here. I didn't ask for this job. That's what he says. He said, I didn't ask for this job. I, didn't de- I don't want to deal with people. Let me tell you something. The best thing about ministry is dealing with people. Because you get to love them, you get to invest in them, you get to teach them, you get to, to, to uh, rejoice with them, you get to see them grow. But you know what the worst thing about ministry? Guess what it is? Dealing with people. <laughs> and Moses finds that out. And, Mo- and Moses eventually gets to the place like, why are you murmuring? He's like, who am I? I don't even want to be here. I'm just here out of obedience to God. He said, when you complain, you're complaining against God. He said, when you're murmuring, you're murmuring against God. He said, well, Pastor, what do we do about it? Stop complaining. Just stop. <laughs> you know that, you know, that, that solves most of our problems. Listen, Pastor, I'm struggling with, the, with this sin. I'm struggling with the sin of, of alcohol. What do I do? Stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with the sin of, of not tithing. Tithe. I'm struggling with the sin of not coming to church. Come to church. I'm, I'm struggling with the sin of not reading the Bible. We're going to talk about that. Read the Bible. That's it. You just figure out what you're supposed to do and do it. And you figure out what you're not supposed to do and don't do it. But instead we like to just sit there and complain and murmur and say, but let me tell you something, every time your mouth is open and you're complaining about anything, you're complaining against God because God is the one that allowed you to be in that situation. God is the one that put you there. Look at verse 9. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness... There lay a small round thing, as small as a hoarfrost, on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. 
we get introduced with this concept. We talk about the quail and the manna, but the chapter really emphasizes the idea of, a manna, of, of the manna. Just look at uh, real quickly at verse number 31 in the same chapter. It says, And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So the children of Israel complain that they don't have anything to eat, and God performs a miracle. And if you look at verse number 35, the Bible says, And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. For forty years, every day, except for the Sabbath day, God performed a miracle where He rained down bread from heaven. Isn't that amazing? Quite a miracle, right? There's a few things that this represents. Keep your finger there in Exodus uh, 16. Uh, look at, look at, uh, go with me to Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. You guys thought the pastor's late, so we're getting out early. No, I write my sermon before it's... <laughs> I wrote my sermon earlier. Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. Look at verse number 3. Maybe you'll get out early. Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. Look at verse number 3. This manna would come down. And did you notice? Well, it just keep your finger there in Deuteronomy 8. Go back to Exodus uh, 16 so I can show you a couple things. Look at verse number 16. I want you to see the rules that come with this manna. Verse 16 says, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tent. So he's given him very uh, specific direction. He, said, he says, you're going to uh, take a certain measurement and omer for each individual in your house. That's how many I want you to pick up. You know, so you get it. You know, People who had a, a larger family would get more manna than those who had less family. Look at verse 17. So you weren't allowed to just go and grab as much as you wanted. You had to get what you needed for your family for that day. Look at verse 17. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet, the word meet there means measured, when they measured it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. Notice. And he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. Look at verse 19. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. So, God said, I'm going to rain down manna from heaven. But he said, I don't want you to pick more manna than you need. He said, you need to figure out, you get an omer for every individual in your house. You figure out, you got uh, five people in your house, you get five omers worth of bread. And he said, those who had a larger family picked that amount and they had just enough. And those who had less picked that amount and they had just, uh, just enough. But here's the thing, they were not allowed, look at verse 19, and Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Do you see that? They were not allowed to pick two days worth. You understand what I'm saying? They needed to pick enough for that day. So Monday, they went out and they got enough bread to feed them Monday. And Tuesday, uh, they went out and grabbed enough bread to feed Tuesday. And Wednesday, you went out and said, well, I'm going to sleep in on on Tuesday, so I'm going to get enough bread to last me for a couple days. Because notice what happens. Look at verse uh, 20. Notwithstanding, of course, they hearken not unto Moses. So Moses says, thus saith the Lord, and they just do whatever they want. But some of them left of it until the morning. So some of them got enough to where they ate for that day. And then they said, I'm going to keep this for the morning. And look what it says. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. So God says, no. God says, you get enough for the day. He says, you get enough for the day. And then the next day, you get enough for that day. 
He said, I'll make sure I give you enough for that day, but you don't get so much. And then you say, well, I'm not going to go out and pick out manna tomorrow. I've got enough for tomorrow. God says, you do that? I'll make sure it's ruined. Look at verse 21. And they gathered it every, I want you to notice this, morning. They gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. So they have to go out in the morning before the sun you know, really got hot there, like noontime. They would have to go out because as soon as the sun came out, it would melt and they wouldn't be able to eat it. So they have to, I want you to notice, get up early. Go pick the manna, enough for that day. And they have to do it every day. You say, well, why are all these rules with the manna? Well, here's what you've got to understand. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Look at verse number 3. The manna fed them physically, but the manna represents something. In Deuteronomy 8.3, the Bible to its own best commentary, and it tells us, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, that's what we're talking about, right? Which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man, I want you to notice this, Man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Does that sound familiar? That's what Jesus Christ said when, the, when Satan came to tempt him, remember? He kept saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, and so forth. See, the Bible says that God, you know, look down at the middle of that verse. He says, he fed you with manna. And fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know. So he said, here's why he fed you with manna. He was trying to teach you a lesson. He fed you with physical bread, that you would know that man does not live by bread only. Jesus quoted it as bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. He said, he said, I fed you with physical bread, so you would understand that you do not live by bread alone, but you live by the Word of God. Let me tell you something, the manna represents the Word of God. And in the same way that the children of Israel were to go out every morning, pick out enough bread for that day to suffice them nutritionally, God says in that same way, you and I ought to get up every day and get the manna from heaven. And feed ourselves spiritually. Every morning you ought to get up and eat enough food sufficient for that day to sustain you spiritually. See, so many of us are so worried about, you know, physical health. Where if we were able to get a good look at ourselves spiritually, we would realize that we're so anemic and so weak. You say, well, what's the problem? You're not feeding enough. See, some of you, the only time you read your Bible today was at church when we read it. Some of you, the only time you read your Bible is three times a week, if you even make it, at church. You say, well, what do we do, Pastor? Here's what you got to develop. Develop, see, the children of Israel in the wilderness had to learn that if they were going to eat for the day, they had to get up, they had to go pick out and grab enough food to feed their family. And in the same way, you and I, spiritually, why? Because the lesson of the manna was that man may know that man does not live by bread alone. See, you, 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 people have, we have all sorts of excuses. I'm too busy. Trust me, I know about being busy. I've been working since 7 in the morning. I got home at 7 p.m. and I'm preaching now. <laughs> I understand. But you know what? I ate today. So what, did you take a lunch? I was eating while I was working. I was eating while I was driving. I was making phone calls while I was driving. But I... Guess what? You know what we... we see, here's the thing. Human beings, we make time for things we want to do. Nobody says, I haven't ate for three days. I'm just so busy. Nobody says that. You know why? Because you want to eat. 
I mean, I mean, if, if you read the Bible the way some of you eat, man, you'd, you'd read the Bible, you know, the whole thing every month. Good night. Most, most people don't go 30 minutes without putting something in their mouth, but will go days and weeks without reading the Bible. Say, well, what's the difference? It's a priority. See, people, here's, here's what you guys say. Here's what I learned as a pastor. People do what they want to do. I, I, I used to have this idea that, man, I was going to get up and I was going to preach and, and, and the power of God was going to come upon me and it was going to be so dynamic and it was going to be so great and the Spirit of God. And then I realized that, you know what? People do what they want to do. It, the preaching helps those who want to be helped and doesn't help those who don't want to be helped. People do what they want to do, and you do what you want to do. Did you skip a meal today? Probably not. Did you skip a Bible reading today? Well, Pastor, I'm so busy. I know, I know, I know how it is to be busy. But we got to make time for it. We make time for the things we want to do. We make time for the things that are a priority for us. No, you know, you ever realize, you ever notice how you don't have a problem getting up at four in the morning when you're going to go to a fun trip? We're going to Six Flags today. We got to get up at four in the morning. Nobody has a problem with that. It's time for church. Ah, time for work. Ah. What's why? Because we do what we want to do, and we feed ourselves just fine physically. You know what your rule ought to be? Don't feed yourself physically until you fed yourself spiritually. And if you just can't deal with it, do what I do: read the Bible while I'm eating cereal. <laughs> but just feed yourself spiritually. That's what the manna represents. Look at verse three again. And he humbled thee. And suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he may make thee know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, that man live. The manna represents the word of God. And I want you to notice some, something. They got just enough what they needed for that day. Let me tell you something. You gotta, you, every time you read the Bible, every day you read the Bible... God has something for you. And when you don't read the Bible, you missed out on whatever God had for you that day. And you say, well, I'll get it tomorrow. No, you won't. It'll stake up by now. It'll abroad it by now. God has something for you today. Now look, God has something for you tomorrow. So, well, I, I messed it up today. Well, don't mess it up tomorrow. But He has something for you today. He, there's something He wanted you to get out of the Bible today. There's something He wants you to get out of the Bible study today. Do you understand what I'm saying? They, they were only allowed to get what they were able to eat for that day. He said, well, I'm going to save them up for later. God said, no, it'll, it'll, it'll bread worms, it'll stink. And here's the other thing. You can't have this philosophy, well, I'm going to read, you know, 50 chapters today and I'll be good for the rest of the week. <laughs> that doesn't work. God wants you in the Bible every day. God wants you reading His Word every day. The man who represents the Word of God. They were supposed to gather the manna. Look, go back to Exodus 16. Look at verse number 22. Exodus 16, verse 22. Exodus 16, verse 22. The Bible says, And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much. So here was the only exception. Two omers, one for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses... Okay, so, remember they were supposed to get one omer per individual. But on the sixth day, they were allowed to get two omers worth. Look at, look at why, verse 23. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. You remember we've learned about that before? The seventh day was the Sabbath day. The day of rest. They weren't supposed to work on that day. 
And the Bible says, Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seed that which ye will seed, and that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning, as Moses bade, and it did not stink. Neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall uh, be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. So here's what I want you to get. Every day they have to get enough bread for that day. And if they got enough to, to carry over, God made it rot. But on the sixth day, before the Sabbath day, the right day of rest, they were supposed to go out on the day of rest. So God said, on the sixth day, I'll allow you to pick twice as much, and it won't go bad. He said, but if you go out to get it on the day of rest, it's going to make me mad. Look at verse 27. What did they do? Of course, they do the exact same thing that God told them not to do. Isn't that just human nature? And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. So God said, don't go out on the seventh day. But they said, well, I'm going to go out and see if God, you know, if God forgot. Maybe he puts them out anyway. Verse 28. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my law? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, let me break this down for you. And I've got, I've only been preaching for 25 minutes. I've got a few minutes. So let's, let's, I, I want you to really understand this, okay? We understand that the bread represents the word of God. We saw that in Deuteronomy, right? Now, here's the thing. Six days they went out to gather bread. That six represents something. Do you know what it represents? Go to Genesis chapter number uh, 3. Genesis, actually, I'm sorry, Genesis 3. Genesis chapter number 1. You're stealing my thunder, brother Daryl. <laughs> Genesis chapter number 1. Look at verse number 26. Genesis chapter number 1. Look at verse number 26. The Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over the creeping things that creepeth upon the earth. Skip down to verse number 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the, I want you to notice this, sixth day. God created man on the sixth day. Do you see that? Now go with me to Revelation. should be easy to find. You're going from the very first book of the Bible to the very last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter number 13. Look at verse number 8. Revelation chapter number 13. And look at verse number 8. That's not the one. Good night. I wrote down the wrong verse. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. Was it another? Okay. I wrote down the wrong verse. If somebody can find the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for the verse where it talks about the the mark of the beast. Revelation 13 verse 8. That's definitely the wrong one. Well... I apologize for that. I'll have to get it to you. But the Bible says, it talks about here in His wisdom, 
and it talks about the, the mark of the beast. And what's the mark of the beast? Or do, you, do you have it? You looked it up? 13.17? Let's see if that's it. Look at verse 18. That's the one. There you go. Thank you, brother. Technology is good, huh? <laughs> Revelation 13. Look at verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding... Look what it says. Count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is, notice what it says, 600, three score, three score means 60, and six. So the number of the beast is what? Six, six, six. And what is the number of the beast? The number of man. Why is six the number of man? Because man was created on the sixth day. Do you see that? So here's what I understand. The sixth day represents man. Man is to labor for six days. And then rest on the seventh day, according to the Old Testament. What does that day of rest represent? Well, we preached on the Seventh-day Adventist a few weeks ago, uh, so I, I'm not going to go into full detail on that because it'll just that's a whole sermon in and of itself. But go to Hebrews chapter number 4, and let's just do a little review so you uh, can remember what we were talking about. Hebrews chapter number 4, look at verse number 3. The seventh day represents rest. And if you look at Hebrews chapter number 4, look at verse 3, the Bible says, For we which have, here's the key word, believed, do enter into rest. So how do we enter into rest? We enter into rest through believing. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now he's talking about the children of Israel. Because they did not believe God, they did not enter into His rest. Look at verse 4. For He spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. So this is what God said about the seventh day. And God did rest on the seventh day from all His work. And in this place again, if they shall enter into My rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of, what's it say? Unbelief. How do you enter into rest? According to verse number uh, 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. How do you enter not into rest? According to verse 6. Priests entered not in because of unbelief. So you enter into rest through belief. You do not enter into rest through unbelief. Look at verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day. He's saying, look, he, he's talking about a day, but he's not talking about a day. A day is very limited. He says, this is what he's really talking about. Because he's using it as a foreshadow. Remember all these things in the Old Testament? The sacrifices, the washings, uh, the, the ordinances. They were a foreshadow of things to come. They were a picture. The Lamb wasn't salvation. The Lamb was a picture of Jesus Christ, who one day would be the Lamb of God. And look what it says, verse 7. Again, he limited a certain day, saying to, in David, Today, after so long a uh, time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear this voice, harden not in your hearts, for if Jesus, look what it says, if Jesus had given them rest. So who gives you rest? Jesus. Then would he, how do you get rest? By believing. How do you not get rest? By not believing. Who gives the rest? Jesus. For if Jesus had given them rest, verse 8, then would He not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For He that is entered into His rest, here's the key verse, He also hath ceased from His own works as God did from Him. See, the, the picture, you say, Pastor Matt, do we keep the seventh day, or, do we keep the seventh day as New Testament Christians? Absolutely not. The Bible specifically tells us not to do it. The, uh, 
to it. I, I defy you to show me in the Bible where Jesus or the, the, the disciples had church on the seventh day. You'll never be able to find it. All throughout the book of Acts, all throughout the New Testament, you find them holding church services on the first day of the week, Sunday. You say, well, what were they doing on the seventh day when they went to the synagogue? They weren't going to the synagogue to worship. They were going to the synagogue to go soul winning. Guess what we do on the seventh day? On Saturday. We go soul winning, just like they did in the New Testament. Because you say, well, well the, the Bible tells us that the, the seventh day, the Sabbath day was an ordinance that's supposed to be last for everlasting. It is last for everlasting. The moment that I believed on Jesus Christ, I entered into His rest. I keep the Sabbath day when I got saved. You say, well, how do you keep the Sabbath day? Well, I entered into His rest when I got saved. Because when I believed on Jesus Christ, guess what happened? A burden was lifted. The Catholic is still working today. He's in those six days. The Jehovah's Witness is working today, honestly, trying to get himself to heaven. The Mormon is trying to get himself today, he's working. You know who's not working today, other than a physical job? This guy. Because I'm saved. It's settled. I'm not worried about it. If I die today, I can rest in the fact that I know I'm on my way to heaven. How did I get that? By believing, and Jesus gave me that rest. See, see, I don't, I don't kill a lamb because that'd be blasphemous. Say, why? Because Jesus was a lamb. That was just a picture of Jesus. I I believe in Jesus. He's the Passover lamb. So we don't keep the Passover. So I don't keep the seventh day because it would be blasphemous to keep the seventh day. But here's the funny thing about those people. Because there's Baptists who keep the seventh day. And of course there's the seventh day of Venice. Here's what I always question them. Why do you keep the seventh day but you don't keep the the sacrifices? I've never never known. And if there is one, please let me know. Because I'd love to go and record it. I'm I'm not doing anything on Saturday. (laughs) I've never known of a Seventh-day Adventist church who keeps the Passover, kills a lamb, and, and roasts it with fire and does all that. Never known them. But they'll keep it. The, well, that's not acceptable. Well, see, now you're getting into who decides what is and isn't acceptable. See, we don't keep those things as they were an ordinance. They were a shadow of things to come. The lamb was Jesus Christ. The sacrifice was Jesus Christ. And the seventh day was, who gives us the rest, according to the Bible? Jesus. Look at verse 8. For if Jesus... Had to give him the rest. So here, I said all that to say this. The sixth day represents man. The seventh day represents Jesus. The bread represents what? The Word. The Word of God. You remember that? Go to John chapter number 1. Guess who else is the Word? I know we've seen all this before, but let's just look at it again. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Skip down to verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is the Word? Jesus Christ. Let me show you something. John chapter number 6. I don't know if this excites you like it excites me, but I just love how consistent the Bible is. You're there in John, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Go to John chapter number 6. Look at verse number... Uh, where do I want you? 30. John chapter number 6. Look at verse number 30. They said therefore unto him, this is the Jews talking to Jesus, what sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe? What does thou work? So they're saying, look, you got to show us a sign so that we can believe you, Jesus. Look at verse 31. Look at the example they give. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. Is that what we're talking about? They said, well, God gave our fathers a sign. They ate manna in the desert. They saw it fall from the sky. And it was written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
They said, look, Jesus, why don't you give us a sign? Because our fathers, they got manna from, from heaven to eat. Look at verse 32. Look at what Jesus responds. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Here's the beautiful thing. The bread represents, according to Deuteronomy, what? The Word of God. He gave you the manna that ye may know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But then Jesus says, guess what? I'm that bread. Why? Because Jesus is the Word. Do you see the consistency in Scripture? Jesus is the Word. Uh, skip down to verse number 41. The Jews then murmured. Does that sound familiar? The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, who is the father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I am come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, uh, of the Father cometh unto me, not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Look at verse number 48, one of the great I am statements of Jesus Christ. I am that bread of life. Hey, Pastor, I don't understand. What are you trying to get at? Here's what I want you to understand. Well, actually, just real quickly, go with me to Revelation chapter number 14. See, the sixth day represents man. And when God says you labor for six days, that represents the life of man. Our life is a life of laboring. Our life is a life of work. You want to find fulfillment in your life? You want to find purpose in your life? Find your life's purpose in this four-letter word. W-O-R-K, work. You think, you think Pastor Jimenez is going to go to bed tonight, down and out, just, I'm so sad about my situation. Let me tell you something. By the time, before my head hits the pillow, I'm going to be asleep. <laughs> Resting quiet. You know, you say, why? Well, you try working 14 hours and coming to church and preaching the sermon. You think my wife is, is just going to be all, you know, after working all day with a bunch of kids, and let me tell you something. Raising children is work. Okay? All these people, well, you're just a stay-at-home mind. You're an idiot. And I'm sorry if you don't like that word, but if you make those statements, you're an idiot. <laughs> you try staying home with three kids. I'd rather go fix an air conditioner any day. <laughs> you think she's going you know, to go to bed and she is sad because of this thing, work. That's what God created us to do, by the way. Six days shall you labor, that represents the life of man. But the seventh day you enter into rest. See, the rest is represented by salvation. The bread is represented by God, but you're there in Revelation... Uh, uh, what did I tell you to go? Revelation uh, 14? Brother Daryl, quick tell me. No, I'm just Revelation 14, look at verse number 13. Revelation 14, 13, look at what, what, what rest represents. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. So they're not really dead because they died in the Lord. From henceforth... He said, these are blessed people, the people that die in the Lord. Look at, they're talking about a physical death. Look at verse, look at why. Yea, saith the Spirit, 
that they may, notice this word, rest from their labors and their works to follow them. Let me tell you something. One day you will get to rest. That's called heaven. When we leave this physical world and enter into eternity, God refers to that as rest. But I want you to notice something. He said, look at the last part of verse 13, that they may rest from their labors, so they're going to spend six days, representing the life of man, working. And then they're entering into that seventh day when they die, and they're going to rest from their labors, but I want you to notice this terminology, their works do follow them, okay? Keep your finger there in Revelation 14, we're almost done, I promise. Say, Pastor, I'm so tired. Man, just get with it. Exodus 16. Exodus 16. Look at verse 27. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day. That's the day of rest, right? For to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Let me tell you something. God says the day that is to rest, that is a day where you will not work, even if you wanted to. You'll go out there and you'll find no bread. Let me tell you something. Some of you are going to get to heaven and you're going to get excited and you're going to say, man, oh man, I wish I would have gone so winning so I could be a part of this. But guess what? Labor's done. When you enter into your rest, you can't work anymore. And, and some of us are going to get to heaven and, and, and we're going to be, man, I, I, I wish I would have, I, I wish I would have read the Bible. I wish I would have to follow them. See, when you get to heaven, there's not going to be no earning rewards in heaven. You earn rewards on earth, my friend. And you better get to that idea that life is about working for God, working in ministry, get out there and knock those doors and get out soul winning and start reading your Bible and start praying and start ministering to people because the time to work is right now. And the thing is, when you get to heaven, let me promise you, when you get to heaven, you're going to wish you could go out and pick that man up. Because guess what? All of us are going to. When we're in heaven. Because we won't have the flesh. We'll be in the presence of Christ. We'll all wish that we served God better. But once you get to heaven, it's done. You get six days here on earth to labor. That represents your life. And one day you leave this world and you enter into rest. And guess what? On the seventh day, they went out to pick that manna and it wasn't there. They lived... Here's what I like. They lived on the seventh day off of the manna they picked on the sixth. Hey, Pastor, what am I going to get rewarded in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ? Remember on Sunday night we were talking about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ? Remember we went through the whole timeline of the Bible and, and broke that down? Say, so what am I going to get rewarded when I get to the millennial reign? I don't know. How much do you pick on the sixth day? Because that's what you live off on the seventh day. Well, I didn't pick anything on the sixth day. Well, you go out on the seventh day, you're not going to find anything to pick either. The work is done on the sixth day. You say, well, what's the sixth day? Your life. My life. That's the, that represents me. Say, so, well, what do I do? Get busy on the sixth day, my friend. Life is short. It's but a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. Let me ask you something. 
And this is not a question that I want you to respond. But how is your Bible reading? How is your prayer time? How's your soul winning? How's your, you know, uh, ministry, whatever, ministering, praying for people, loving people, writing notes, encouraging people? How, what are you doing in your life to work? Because the only opportunity you have to work is right now. Say, well, when am I going to get to rest? In heaven. That's when you rest. But, but here's the catch. We're all going to love heaven, but here's the catch. You can't go back and work in heaven. You can't go back and earn reward in heaven. You can't do more for Christ in heaven. Famous song says, only one life, so soon, you know, what, I can't even think of what it says. What does it say? Who knows it? Only one, one life, so soon shall pass. Only one life, and it will soon be passed. And all is done for Christ to Only what's done for Christ shall last. Say, so, well, see, that, that's what I love about this. They picked, any other day they picked more than the day's worth, it rotted. The sixth day they picked more than the day, it lasted them. I, I, I want treasures in heaven. I, uh, brother, brother Hudson, I, I texted him. We were talking about when he was doing the work for, for the van and we are joking around. I think, actually, I think it was his wife joking around about money or something. Being a troublemaker, of course. And, and I said something to him. And, and I, I said something to him. And he said, and I said something about, man, we're not paying you or something like that. You know, just joking or whatever. And he said, he said I'm going to get paid in heaven. I said, praise God, because that's true. You labor here to get paid there. Once you're there, no more work. No more labor. Praise God, you'll be in rest. But just get busy down here. Let's bow our heads and have a word for you. We love you, Father. Thank you for our church. Thank you for uh, your word. And Lord, I ask that you'd help this Bible study to be a help to us. I love Wednesday night Bible study because we're just in Exodus 16 because we were in Exodus 15 last week and Exodus 14 before that, Exodus 13 before that. It's just that's what you had for us today. And I pray you'd help the people to grab it today because it won't be there tomorrow. You'll have something else for us tomorrow. Help us to get to work. Work on the sixth day so we can rest on the seventh. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen.